It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Fireworks. Celebration. New Happy year. New Year. End Old of year. year out. Old New year. year in. Wow. That's for 2018. Okay. Round of applause. And here's for 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Lots more of that. Well, uh, why is that? Why are we going to be having? Why does everybody <laughs> always want to say goodbye to the the past year? Like it was so horrible. What I don't, I don't know. I, should old acquaintance? You know, no year should. You should never bid farewell or good riddance to any year, right? Right. I mean, I, I'm all for the new year. I love it. Actually, my new year starts on the Chinese New Year. That's when I start counting. When is that? The lunar New Year, I think, is in uh, February sometime. But it always it always changes. But to me, oh, you know, because I, I'm an amateur astrologer. You are and a radio show host um, but I I am a little sad to see 2018 go really yeah as far as I'm concerned it's that's enough yeah okay that was that's yeah, enough, yeah. enough of him yeah. but I the horror it, well okay <laughs> some parts of it were yeah. but uh, I had a good year I will be sad to see it go I actually did have a good year so it, was, did I. it was productive uh-huh. I worked hard uh, did good work. Um, proud of my work, and the work continues. And that's what it, that's what this show is all about, by the way, people. It's about doing the work, making the effort, and uh, and moving forward. And it's you know we are in the love business, but we kind of we're in the self improvement business. And that's because, what that's what this is about. And right? this show is. Um, I yeah. love that we timed it to the new year because this is the right time to, I, mean, I don't know, you know, they say that only 8% of people actually follow through on their resolutions. Did you know that? That high? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I didn't even ask you, how was your year? Uh, well, my year was, uh, I think, equivalent to yours. It was a good year. This was has been an incredible experience with our show, finishing our, you know, third season in one year. Which is kind of funny, but uh, yes, uh, you know, it's been a great experience. Uh, I think that we have figured out what we're doing, kind of, and uh, we're here to uh, help people get to that next level. And resolutions. Are you making any? Uh, are you? Are I, there any I just might make a resolution this year, and that will be no resolutions. No, I'm kidding. I think uh, I, I need to, uh, you know, lose a little weight. I am what? about 10 pounds heavy, so I will. Uh, Try to do something in terms of moving more. Did you know, by the way, that you're married to a trainer? Uh, really? Yes. I, 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 I. And did you all know out there in Dunbeam Single Land that I'm married to the worst client ever? I mean, this guy could get free training. Top of the line. Okay. Best in the business. 
Okay. You but know, no. Have you ever heard the expression, the cobbler's children go shoeless? Yes. And okay. the trainer's wife goes. <laughs> the, trainer's uh, wife, the trainer's husband. <laughs> I mean, the trainer's husband. Goes a little heavy. Yes. Slightly. Okay. I'm but with you on that, that resolution. That's a good resolution. It's a good resolution. And you no. know, and again, self-improvement. And it's not actually about, I want to make a, a, a point here because I read a lot of, I, I'm a self-improvement junkie. You know that. It's not so much about the goal as it is about the process. The mm. process, and I just wrote a blog post on this, shameless plug, trevorbrandonsharf.com. It's posted now um, about falling in love with the process. First, having the courage to change. So here's to you, Robbie Sharf, from wanting well, to lose some weight, okay? That takes guts, and you've I'm got them. Raspberry. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I got You've it. got big guts. Big guts, all right. So uh, it takes courage to change, and then you, and then the process. It's not so much the goal. It's not so much the number or the weight. Or I mean, yes, I'm uh, I'm all for setting goals. I think it's important. But what happens after the goal? What happens after you achieve the goal? Then what? The process. You you got it. You have to create good habits in life and in love. And I really believe that. In improving yourself, and in the in the uh, quest to become better, stronger, smarter, wiser, whatever it is, uh, finding more passion, uh, finding more fulfillment and reward in your life, that you that you do become better at love, and you become sexier, more attractive, more lovable, blah 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 blah. Am I right or well? Uh, no. I think I think you are right. Uh, unfortunately, I am not a fan of the process. I want the goal. I want the goal now. Yes. I want it now. I want to be 10 pounds lighter now. I, and most people do. And I that's want to find why, love now. And want, that's why the diet business is like a gazillion billion dollar business because people are always looking for the shortcut, the easy way out, right. the magic bullet. And it just doesn't exist. You just have to create really uh, great habits that you can stick to and eventually fall in love with because right. it becomes, a, thank you, yeah, Earl Scheib. Is that yes, it? Or that Coward? is Earl Scheib. Okay. Um it's the habits that will it 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 changes you and i as a trainer and as a fitness prof i do this in my work with people all day long so you tra- you know you eventually it's not the muscles it's not the weight loss it's how they change from the inside out it's that they become they build more character and they grow more confident and they become less fearful. It's a beautiful thing. So improving yourself has so many different levels. I mean, obviously, we want to improve ourselves physically, but we need to improve ourselves emotionally and uh, spiritually and how we can be in a better place so that if we want to have a relationship and uh, we're, we're having tough luck finding that, we want to be in a place where we can be prepared to recognize an opportunity for that. Yes. And and be better suited for whatever partner may come down because we don't want to bring our crap to a new relationship. We want to deal with our crap before we enter into something new. Yes, and you asked a very important question this morning. How do you know if you have a problem? Yes, how that is how, a, how a question I have for uh, Dr. Terry when he comes on. I mean, how do you know? How do you, I think you know when you have problems. I think that people are just self-aware enough 
Uh, and if you don't know, then take a look at your life. Step outside yourself for a second oh, and look a, at yourself. Very important to recognize and, patterns that you may have developed over past relationships. Why are they breaking up in a similar way? Yeah, I mean, all you need to do is just ask yourself, you know, why are you, A, overweight or uh, chronically unsatisfied or, or, you know, name it. There's all kinds of pathologies out there. I mean, I, I came to a conclusion. I came to Jesus about 12 years ago hmm. in, my, in my, how I was, um, I was not happy in my romantic life. I had a relationship that was, you know, kind of bottomed me out. And I knew that there was something wrong. I knew that, uh, no, no, this is like living like this, no. Even, and, and what was happening is that my desperation at the time and urgency was um, kind of, it, it was hijacking my good senses and it was hijacking my judgment. And so I, I had to bottom out before I realized, uh, no, relationships should not feel this way. It's just, there's something not right. If you're constantly, if you're anxious or, uh, in my case, yes, it was, it was just anxiety and, um, making, trying so hard. Oh, you know, this is, thank you for reminding me, although you didn't, I just reminded myself. Doing the work. Here's here's what I I had a very important uh, epiphany this year. Okay, things do require work, and what is what's the old saying? Anything worth having is re- what worth worth working for. I yes. Know. Okay. I believe that with all my heart as a fitness professional and as a dating coach, I really do because the the improvement process never stops. It's a habit. Like I said, it is just not something. It's it's not outcome oriented. It's it's something that it's ingrained in you. However, with that said, there are times in life where sometimes over-efforting, uh, it becomes, excuse me, the work becomes over-effort. And I, whether it's in love or relationships, if you find yourself working way too hard, which I did on more than one occasion. What kind of work are we talking about here? Working too hard for too, too little. And I'm just going to bring it back to is to my personal situation this year I ruptured a disc and I don't know what how I did it I can guess I think I was I I, I know how I know what happened whether it was tennis or whatnot I was I was just going too hard I was just going too hard too hard on my body too intense and that's not good that's not good that's not good. Um, <laughs> That's not good. Okay. <laughs> By the way, do you know that everybody, Robbie and I, have now incorporated these sound effects into our daily oh, lexicon? You're despicable. So everything you're hearing, we actually say to each other during the day. But it's, but seriously, uh, yeah, I was too hard on myself. Uh-huh. I. D- <laughs> Sorry. And you're not hard enough on yourself. <laughs> okay. So that's my problem. I'm too hard on myself. Too too high my expectations. Uh, you know why are you rolling your eyes? Because so this is so that's what I so do. this is what happens. I'm your husband. So I went the other way. Instead of not working hard enough, I went the other way, and now I'm paying for it. So there has to be a happy medium. How are you paying for it? How am I paying for it? I can't bend over. I think you can. <laughs> oh, 
you know, you just said the I, I've, all right. So did I mention it could have been rough sex too? <laughs> tennis, teaching, spinning classes and oh, and rough sex. No, I um, no, I've been in terrible pain. It's been going down my leg. It's just you know, it's oh, been that's a, that's a, ter- a horrible. It's a physical ailment, and it's kept you. But out here's, of, but here's uh, what. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It keeps you off the tennis court. Keeps you off the things you know, the physical activities that you love doing, and because you're very competitive. Yes. So uh, that those type of ailments take time, and uh, it's a different type of treatment than what we're talking about inside. That needs to be looked at. Yes, but guess what happened in the process. What's of that? taking time off. What? It changed me. I learned some lessons, some valuable lessons. It hasn't been time wasted at all, even though I can't do the things I love. Okay, guess what I've done, though? I've made up for whatever time I would have spent on the tennis court or elsewhere. I've gotten a ton of writing done. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to some projects that I had been putting off. Um, I have not used it as an excuse. And you know me, I am not big on excuses mm-hmm. at all. Like, don't even with the excuses. Take responsibility, own your part, deal with your shit. Right. And, okay, I'm all about that in life and in love. So we have to go to our first break. Oh, too bad, because, you know, I could talk about this forever with you. Yeah, I know. You're, this is your least favorite subject. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my favorite subject. Robbie loved the sex shows. Well, yeah, we all love the sex shows. I think the public loved it. By the way, more sex to come in 2019. Oh, yes. Just more come. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> more coming in so, 2019. Yes. Uh, so we're going to be back in a minute. With yeah, and we are bringing on my man, my my soul brother, Terry, Dr. Terry Simpson. And uh, he is, oh, he's so great. So we're going to go to our first break, and we will be back with Dr. Terry Simpson. Now, back to done being single with dating badasses, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Okay, I, we're going to bring Dr. Terry Simpson on, but I just have to say, this guy's resume is so impressive and so long, I had to fit it into, when I was uh, doing the uh, episode description, it had to be 999 words, and it was... No, it didn't put me to sleep. It, it wow! He is just, it is so incredibly um, heavyweight, man. We better start. It's okay, like a- I got to start now because it, it's going to take the rest of the show. Dr. Terry, Terry Simpson is a licensed clinical psychologist in Beverly Hills, specializing in anxiety disorders, eating disorders, issues of identity development, and addiction behaviors. He is the director of practice development at the Crevoy Institute for the Treatment of Eating Disorders. He's worked with a multitude of patient populations, including at-risk youth and adolescents in East L.A. He's worked as a community member. Mental health clinicians, clinician in the nonprofit sector, treating individuals suffering with eating disorders, addictions, anxiety, depression, borderline states, and dual diagnosis. Uh, you know, I've, I could qualify for one of those. Um, uh, Dr. Terry is an advocate for mental health treatment through research, lecturing, practice, and raising awareness, as well as funding in support of equal access for everyone. But I know Dr. Terry best from his extensive background in exercise physiology and group fitness training. Hi, Terry. Welcome to Dunbean Single. Hey, Terry. 
right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. So uh, you were listening the whole time to the first part, and I know that, um, you know, we talk about self-improvement a lot, and you and I are, I mean, you are really in the self-improvement business. And I want to know how you help your clients or patients find their self to begin with, because as we were talking about, how do you know when there's a problem? Well, yeah, I just want to say, I think, first of all, I... I don't. I hope that everyone was able to hear the first fifteen or so minutes that you guys were doing. Your banter is so excellent. Um, it's 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 really listenable. It's really just a, a nice thing to to take part in. So I hope that people will continue to to listen because it was just fantastic between the two you. of you. And and I think that something that you were sort of circling around um, was something that I work with. I'm, I work what's called object relationally. What that means is that I have a I have a sort of a, a bent about the idea that we really don't know ourselves unless in relation to an object or to something else. So I could, I wouldn't know myself in relation to doing a radio show until I was on a radio show like I'm doing today. So I can feel anxiety. I can feel all the things that I might experience in this moment because this is something I could not do by myself. So the way that I work with individuals, whether it be individuals in the clinical setting, whether it be with groups, which I do run lots of groups, even when I teach at the graduate level uh, at the university, I, I'm always trying to understand the way in which human beings interact between each other and also the way we interact with objects, right? So sex is an object to us, you know, alcohol, uh, drugs, uh, gambling, these are all objects, and we relate to these things in a way that helps us understand and develop our sense of self. And so, hopefully, I answered it as succinctly as I possibly could. I gave you about a hundred years of psychological theory there in a matter of about two minutes. But, um, but that's kind of the way that I would work with someone uh, in particular, and especially if I work with couples in particular, is understanding who are they between the two of them, and then who are they as they know themselves in relation to whatever it is that they're experiencing. I have in the forty episodes that we've done so far. Um, I have noticed a common theme uh, throughout this whole experience, and that is when it really comes down to it, feeling that you're deserving of love or goodness or reward or fulfillment or a relationship really has to do with one's self-worth. And no matter, you know, there's all all kinds of dating experts and relationship experts that come on our show and and they have their secret sauce. But I do think at the end of the day, it's about self-worth. And as you, and I think you would also agree in our work as fitness professionals, we see a ton of self-loathing. And that, I start from there, just about with everybody I work with. So, and I'm assuming you do as well. So I want to know, um, do you agree? How important is self-worth? Well, obviously, as, as we've talked about previously, Trevor, um, is that the idea of any of the hyphenated words that we use to describe sort of these in the lexicon of all of this stuff, whether it be self-improvement, self-worth, whatever, that we have to understand the self piece before we understand what it's worth. Very often, the worth, unfortunately, is defined in its own way, in so many ways, by an individual other than the person themselves. In other words, we learn that we're not interesting as human beings. We've learned that we don't have worth as human beings. Where do we learn that? We often learn it from our primary relationship groups, that be our families, our cultures, our faiths. The things that we're in 
from uh, the very instant we come into the world. Um, a child will learn very quickly whether they're interesting to their parents. A child will learn very quickly whether they're interesting to their siblings. And this, these sorts of things start to then become part of our consciousness, well, arguably the unconscious parts of our understandings of ourselves in relationship to the world. So I always go back to the very earliest parts of the development phases of things. I mean, obviously that's what I do in my work. But you're right in the sense that much of deterministic qualities, much of accountability, much of denial and to keep with the theme of what you've talked about previously, the idea of being able to to sort of create and hold a resolution has to do with belief in oneself. And if that's possible, then yes, we can have a, a greater sense of self-worth. But I think, especially within the fitness industry, within exercise modalities, within learning an art or learning a new trade or learning anything else that we might want to pick up in a new year, that does come with a sense of what what is my worth? What do I bring to that thing to allow me to continue and to find success in whatever sort of level that is for me. Uh, so Terry, if we are trying to improve ourselves and we're not really sure where to start, how do how do we diagnose ourselves? How do we know what is wrong with us? Yeah, but, well, that's, that's a great question, and it's a really hard question, I think, because, again, and I'm going to go back to something that Trevor talked about, you know, it sounds like that she was in at least some relationship that was not at least healthy, whatever that was representation was for her. So very often, someone would work with someone like Trevor or you or listen to your radio show, and they begin to have a relationship with that. And if, if the way that they can relate to that person, to you, to this radio show, could be ways of saying, wait a minute, I'm hearing from this relationship or from this thing or that, that I I'm not worth much, but there's something else. There's another voice all of a sudden that's telling me something differently. If that can be held on to, if that can be taken up, right? That's why a personal trainer, that's why a group fitness um, instructor, you know, this is why, you know, uh, I think people in the life coaching field, these sorts of things, you know, see such great success in working in these ways is because they become that external relationship that the person can internalize into themselves and say, wait, someone does find me interesting, someone does find me, um, you know, sub does find worth in me, therefore, I can find that within myself. I mean, again, I think that these are all learned qualities. They're learned, in many ways, traits. Biologically, we are just driven to sort of do what we do. Um, but a lot of times when we put constructs on improvement and, and, and worth and these sorts of things, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not across the board. And so when we get into a relationship with people, again, you know, you guys were done being single, as I understand the premise of the show, because it sounds like you found a relationship where the two of you could grow together and therefore build self-worth and self-esteem and self-improvement. And all these things started coming for the fact that you guys began to work together. And again, listening to the first part of the show, you guys have a great banter and a wiki repartee and you guys, you know, go at each other and, and make you know, double entendres and all kinds of neat things. But it's done in a way of support. And when that happens, that can get integrated into both of you to go, oh, wait, this is something different. This is not what I had previously, and that's how we grow. Mm. Well, you don't hear us when we're not on the air, so uh, thankful so for that. So we go at it, all right. <laughs> <You're not wrong. laughs> wow. At, at 1.01 Ooh. p.m. You should, yeah, 11.40 tonight, today. <laughs> was amazing. Um, yeah, okay, so I... 
I know that we, I mean, I'm just going to take our marriage, for example, because we, we met in our 50s. We were fully formed when we came into this thing. And we came into it with, you know, 50 plus years of issues. Okay. And uh, there were, you know, obviously we hadn't been married, what well, we hadn't been married before. We hadn't had that experience. Why? Why weren't we married before? What did we have to, I, Robbie says that he just hadn't met the right one. And I, and I do believe that was the, the reason. I, I think my my stuff, yeah, yes, I hadn't met the right one, but I also had some work to do on myself. But the bottom line of it is that I felt I had this much self-worth that I felt that I am worthy of doing the work to, to get to find a fantastic guy and a, and a healthy relationship. I felt deserving my worry for some people is that they don't even feel like I'm, it's not even worth it just to get help. You know, why even bother? Why? Um, that's, those are the, the, the clients that I find the hardest to work with because they're, they come to the table with years of almost calcified, like I said, self-loathing. Are they blaming the others? Oh, sure. Or things not working out. They're never looking at themselves. Is that what you're encountering? Yeah, sure. You know, I have to talk people into sometimes saying, do you work with me? You, I will get you results. Well, I don't know. I can't do it. I can't, you know, I've never done it before. And, and, and you know, it's half of it is just them agreeing to say, yes, I'm worth getting better. I'm worth being happy. I'm worth, name it, fill in the blank. That's that's a ch- that is one of my challenges. I, I would assume for you too, Terry. Are we going to break? Yeah, we do have to go to a break, but okay. we wanna, we've got lots for Terry to answer to. So, yes. uh, sorry, Terry, we, for that little uh, end part there, but we're going to bring you back in a in a couple minutes. Sure. So we will be right back after this. And now, back to done being single with dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Sharp. So, Terry, I want to pick up where uh, we left off before the break. Um, I'm curious what you see, what's the crossover, is, if any, between your fitness clients and your clinical clients, patients? I think you said the question was, what's, my, what's the crossover between fitness yeah, what's, and Yeah, is there any crossover? Clinical? Yeah. Um, well, in the clinical situation, obviously, we're, we're work, I'm working far more in depth, and I'm dealing with far greater difficulties with pathology with mental health. Um, you know, because I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm primarily in more of the group exercise world. Um, I deal with, you know, group maintenance and these sorts of things. I think whenever we involve physical movement, that elevates mental health issues. That mental people, people with mental health problems get, they, they feel better. Why endorphins kick in and these sorts of things. But when, when they're on the couch, when they're in, when they're in the clinical setting, um, things are much more intense. Which I, I tend to believe happens that's more the in vivo experience of what's going on in their lives, especially when we're thinking about the ideas of being in a relationship. Um, Relationships are fine when things are going well. Relationships are not fine when things are not going well. So typically when I think about relationship difficulties, I'm always focused on what's not going well. And as you pointed out, you know, sometimes that, that can be an, sort of a, a lack of internal awareness or what we would call an external locus of control where they believe the world or something else is, is having sort of a presence over that person. But almost, almost always it's something that that person has internalized from 
previous relationship experiences that they have to work through. And if they can work that through with a physical trainer or in a fitness class or work that through with friends or in, uh, you know, a, a, some type of, of faith-based organization or if they get into therapy or if they get into analysis or they get into whatever they do, that's the opportunity where those where that voice that's inside of their mind can shift ever so little bit. You know, I, I would imagine, Trevor, that you have people that have worked with you for years as their as either their private instructor or their private trainer or the person who's giving them advice in their relationships, your voice goes into their mind. Your voice is in. They internalize that. And that becomes a representation of something that they use as part of their scaffolding to understand the way in which relationships can take place. And if you're encouraging and everything else, that that is... It, it, it's priceless. You, 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 if that's possible, they can take that up. If they can, if they can have that type of intimacy with you, taking that in, man, you do a you do a world of good for them to help them understand that there is a relationship that they can be in that can help. You know, sort of they can stay with and hang with, and to your point, be done being single. And, Terry, are you uh, helping people uh, internally that you are also helping physically? Are you recognizing issues in people that are both that uh, require some assistance and you're acknowledging it and letting them know about things that uh, you see that might they might be able to improve uh, internally uh, when you're helping them out physically? When I'm help- I think when, you, when I'm helping them out physically, well, I don't separate the two. I think very often physical experiences are just motor discharges of what's going on inside the person. Um, and obviously, because of my my background, my research basis, you know, my study, and then you know my practice um, in, as a mental health professional, and then as well as my background as an athlete, and and within the exercise world, um, I, I'm always trying to be as mindful as I can be of what what's going on for both parts of that. Plus, I understand, you know, I I teach you know elements of the gut brain axis, so I know that we actually have three brains in our bodies. We have our brains, our hearts, and our guts, our intestines. We have as much serotonin in our intestines as we have in our brains. Um, matter of fact, 80 to 90% of it is created in our, in our, in our intestines. So very often, you know, there's so much more we don't know necessarily about neurologically and, and through the nervous system about the way this stuff is all attached. And so when I'm working with anyone, whether it be in the physical movement or whether it be, um, purely in the mental health thing, I'm always conscientious about the, the sort of the gestalt of the entire process. I am too. I am too. And I really think that you can't, uh, you can't work on the outside as a, as a trainer, uh, you, without having some insight, uh, and some instinct and some intuition into the inside. And I train people from the inside out. That's what I'd like to say, because you, I mean, it's there's so much, um, like I said, self-loathing and fear, um, tremendous amounts of fear, and that that you know, I help people push through. That's kind of my job, and that they feel like, oh, I can't do that, or I'm going to hurt myself, or um, I'm going to look silly, or I'm going to feel foolish, and you know, yeah. part of and and you know that as a trainer, you're kind of a shrink anyway. I mean, some some clients tell you everything, and some clients they don't they don't have to tell you everything. You know everything. You just know, you know what's going on, 
and and why and again i mean i i don't even i don't even have to know them well to know that this person this woman suffers from some serious self-hatred or self-loathing and uh that my job is to help them work through that and i'm assuming your job as well on the couch mine i just do it on the bench press right you do it on the couch well, i, I want to be i i do, do want to be clear though you know i because of you know my license and, and everything i have to be very clear that that i'm i don't do psychology i don't do um psychoanalytic um work with anyone who's not in my office who's not that's not the scope of the role that i'm in um you know i'm not in you know large groups that i have in my classes and, and I'm, not, I'm not you know i'm not sort of dynamically thinking about you know psychological processes and then working them through these sorts of things because i I have to be very conscientious about the understandings of, of the separation between my two professions, of course, um, of course. which can be hard at times. Um, but having said that, um, you know, I, I think that for people that are in or wanting to get into relationships or wanting to have different types of relationships, again, I go, I, I sort of circle back to this idea that if, if you have someone like you, Trevor, or you, Robbie, who are interested in getting to know that person, or and that could be you know pushing them or, or encouraging them, or, or or just like I said, doing a radio show for the benefit of others who could really benefit from just listening to the two of you have a very nice dialogue between the two of you. And by the way, um, conflict is really important. Um, you you guys talked about you know wait till you're off the show. I wish that you wouldn't because. The way we know in group dynamics, the way we know the strength of a group is the amount of conflict it can tolerate. And very often relationships in some ways are very similar. It's not how much we love each other. It's how much we're committed to each other when the love is not as present as it might be otherwise. Wow, that's uh... And that's the strength of the relationship. And so I think that when, when you're a training someone, that's very similar. If someone doesn't want to do something and you sort of push them through it, you get them to lift that extra weight or go that extra mile or whatever it is, that in your own way is creating a conflict. But it's a conflict not through competition. It is a conflict created in collaboration for the success of the both of you. And that's the difference. That's what makes relationships so wonderful when they become collaborative and confrontational, but it's never about cynicism. Cynicism destroys relatedness. If you're cynical, you're, you're, gonna, you're going to attack the link every time someone tries to make it. You're going to find, like Einstein said, you'll find a problem with every solution. And when that happens, it's, then you're not what we call you're not relatable. You'll be attacking any kind of link. Oh, Yes. Amen. Well, so preach, brother. Yeah, and the, you know, I'm so think sorry, that, did I lose everyone? <laughs> no, no, not, no. We're thinking. I'm very sorry. Not at all. No, not at all. Uh, just the opposite, in fact, because uh, you know you mentioned conflict, and yes, Trev and I have our share of it, but it's uh, I think the uh, overriding feelings that of love that we have for each other uh, don't uh, affect it long term. There, they may be short term skirmishes that happen. And uh, we get over it very quickly. And that's, I think that's a really yeah. important key is that we know, uh, okay, let's blow it off and move on. And I think that we're getting better at that. Um, yes, we are. And you know what? This show has been interesting 
uh, had an interesting impact on our relationship. It, it, it really has. Because we've had it's kind of put in the We've had, you know, gosh, Terry, you are you're one of the uh, you're one of the best people we've had on here. We've had some really great people, yeah. and we've learned a lot. And you can't help it because every Saturday we're getting sort of an education. And we apply it. We actually do apply what mm-hmm. we what everybody's hearing. We we practice what we preach, and it's great stuff. And for that uh, reason, I'm I'm happy that we've got this show. And I know that we have a lot to offer people. Uh, I was that single person. I was that woman that struck out over and over again, and I didn't understand why. And I'm that woman that suffered with self worth uh, issues, and. I, you know, it's a process. As I said in the front section, it is a process. And anybody that's listening to this right now, you're not alone. You're, I totally, we understand um, what it's like to be single for a long time. And the challenges that go along with being single for a long time, because it does tend to kind of fuck with your head a little bit. And I'm sure you have single, and that's my next question, Terry. How do you advise your single clients as it pertains to dating and love. Yeah, well, again, you, you mentioned in the, in the first part, you talked sort of, I think, more interestingly than the word I'm going to choose. I used the idea of accountability, and I think that that's right, that we, we all have a sense of accountability individually as well as relationally. But then that leads us to the idea, and I think that this is why your radio show is really important and I think can really impact in a way that is unique, which is coming to the ideas of being able to tolerate commitment takes time. If we think about this in the ideas of identity development, Erickson talks about the ideas that the way we, de- we, way we become identified in human beings is to, to work through a crisis, multiple crises. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to have a commitment, as the analyst would teach us, a commitment is not about what you get. A commitment is about all the things you lose. What makes commitment so hard is not, I've got this person, it's that I've lost everybody else, or at least the possibility of everyone or something else. And mm-hmm. that's what makes commitment so hard, is you have to confront in that moment loss. And very often when individuals get older, especially within the older populations, within mental health treatments, and even in the relationship dynamic worlds, there becomes this idea that it, it could, it, it's, okay, it's not going to happen, it's never going to happen, and that's just not true. One, because we're always overcoming crises. We're always re-identifying ourselves. We're not the same person in adolescence as we were in our mid-20s or in our 30s. We know from neurology, from neuroscience, that neuroplasticity is taking place all the time. We're developing new ways of understanding ourselves, creating deeper awarenesses, greater senses of intimacy with ourselves in the world and those around us. And so, therefore... Really, the last, to my mind, thing that we have to work through in relationship is the idea of commitment. Can we tolerate loss and stay with this commitment, knowing that we don't know, because there's always mystery and mastery, we don't know what's going to happen, and we can be okay with not knowing, but being committed to another person and seeing where it goes. And that's really hard, especially as we get older, but what you, I think what you came to both of you, very organically and wonderfully and powerfully for your audience, was that you went through your trials and tribulations. You got, you both decided, we're going in on this. We're going to commit. And now you spawned a radio show, and you know, 
you're, you're working together and doing other things that you're doing. So you're showing that, you know, this commitment can be actually remarkably powerful. Uh, yeah, and by the way, I should mention just because you get married or you're in a relationship or you have a radio show, it doesn't mean your problems go away. And it's just no. more, it's just more, you just have more incentive um, to want to take care of yourself more than you might have if you were still single. So the work continues. I mean, it is, I, and I have fallen in love. With, I, well, first of all, I'm just that person. I'm in love with the process. And I think, um, do we have to wrap it up? No, we have to, we have a break right now. Oh, we okay. Our, our segment, so. Okay. So, uh, Terry, great stuff. Uh, we're going to bring you back uh, in a couple minutes. So we'll be right back with Dr. Terry Simpson. And now back to Done Being Single with Married Couple and Dating Ass Kickers, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. We're, We're such back. ass kickers, aren't we? We can be. I am. I'm a professional ass kicker. Are you? Yes. In fact, when uh, I... I have the wh- ass to prove it. I used to say, when I subbed Terry's classes, I'd say, okay, everybody, hi, my name is... Treva, and don't worry, I know I'm I'm not Terry because they'd all freak out, you know, if they saw a sub. Holy shit. It's like walking into hostile territory. I'd say, <laughs> relax, everyone. Don't worry. I am like Terry. I'm like Terry with tits. <laughs> okay. And and you know what? They they then that was fine. It was like an icebreaker. It wasn't like No, they didn't throw tomatoes. And they didn't ha- they didn't heckle me. So, um, Terry, I want to ask yeah. you about because uh, I know you deal a lot with eating disorders, yeah. and uh, God, there's so much. Um, I, you know, who doesn't have an eating? If you're over, they're not even overweight. I mean, eating disorders are tough to. And I had one uh, in college, and uh, it was tough to get over. And I worked hard at that. I, f- I think I've worked hard pretty much at all my problems. I, I, I think I have. Um, Nip it in the bud. Terry, talk to me about... <laughs> talk to me about dealing, uh, treating people with eating disorders. I want to know about that and, and what you experience and your insights. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a broad range when, when within the eating disorder community. I mean, it it it, it, it is to your, to your point. It's fast. Um, the way in which now you know disordered eating takes different forms and shapes, um, uh, and so um, to be as, as succinct as I can be, you know, there's a relationship, whether it be a relationship to a body image or to food or to not eating. But the idea is that that there's a relationship there, and. Very often, if someone is experiencing sense of anorexia, we know within the dynamic community that, that there's there's the idea of taking in something. That, that The process of taking something in is painful, and usually it's a representation of what they didn't get or what was restricted for them. And so then they exert this amazing amount of control over about what they actually can take in. Um, and anorexia is so powerful. It's, it's a remarkably powerful disease and it, it, it I think it I think it still is the number one killer of women between the ages of 18 and 35 um, for mental health conditions and so it's it's a remarkably powerful thing you're we're seeing more and more now um, conditions of, of overexercise issues a lot of orthorexia where people are really just 
you know, they're eating, but they're, they're just eating very specific things. So you're seeing lots of different dynamics around this. And it tends to be relationship-based. At least that's, again, my, my bend on things is it's relationship. That we have a relationship to our body, to our image, to our sense of self. We have a relationship to food. We have a relationship to exercise. And it becomes an organizational principle as what's called an activated relief for the anxiety we're experiencing in our life. And so, much like any other compulsory condition, the compulsion is just an activated release. It's a way that we we can sort of organize the feelings of tension and worry and concern and anxiety um, about, again, something we, we, we don't know necessarily unless we're speaking to that person. It may be a, about some trauma that we experienced in our past, physical, sexual, emotional, or otherwise. Um, it may be other types of abuse that we've experienced, other types of misattunement between us and our environments, uh, not proper fit between family dynamics. It may be about our sexuality, our gender. It can be about lots of different things, but these manifest in ways that, that eating disorders become the primary pathology in which, the symptomology in which we see them. Um, so the, the way that, I, again, I, t- I tend to work with this is to try to create a relationship, is to try to get into a relationship with a person. And similar to what I would imagine in some way and that you guys are hopeful that, you know, people will begin to make a commitment to your radio show. You know, you guys do this every Saturday. You're dedicated to it. You're committed to it. Similarly, one of the greatest struggles in working with eating disorder populations is getting a commitment, is getting them to attach, getting them to, to you know, to trust, to, to be okay with, with working with a professional like myself and working through the conditions that are that are so powerful in their lives because, you know, we, we need food. It's a biological necessity. And so it's a very interesting thing the way it, it plays out in the mind, um, how we can then manipulate and control that piece of it um, as a uh, way of, 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 of sort of helping ourselves sort of control a sense of anxiety or worry or fear or depressive uh, conditions and other t- symptomology that we might experience. Um. There's not a day that goes by that either in my work as a writer, dating advice writer, or coach, or trainer, that that the issue of body image does not come up. It's just, yeah. it's really, um, I don't care if you're single or married. I mean, it's it's yeah. tough. It's really tough to get someone to love their body, regardless of the shape they're in and god bless them if they if they are interested in getting you know fit um at some point though you've got to just say all right i'm I, you know i'm zoftic i'm curvy i'm heavy this is who i am uh this is what i look like <laughs> and and then you you go on with life it's just uh it's a tough town we're living in you you know that yeah. uh i think social media is brutal uh, it's it give it's you know makes our jobs a little more challenging, but um, it's you know I I'm just I don't know what I'm saying, but okay, if you get well, you right, yes, of course. I mean, I the whole dating thing, the whole dating thing, you, and getting past someone you looks can't is view like it as a Mount Everest in front of you. You have to just chip away a little bit and just improve yourself, improve your opportunities to meet people. Uh, but Terry, we have a, a minute left, and so. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a, a tip or a takeaway for the for our audience that uh, you feel would be most helpful? Yeah, I do, and I think it's what Trevor and you guys have talked about in the beginning, which was if if you can find a voice, if you can find someone that 
and interestingly, usually it's usually that someone that makes you feel uncomfortable about you, that is committed to you, that can help you, that is wanting to help you, that is intent or invested in helping you, is there for you, will show up for you, and make you feel uncomfortable about you in the way that you've known yourself in in a more, and back to the idea of self-worth, your self-esteem or self-improvement or, or feeling better about yourself, If that, then that's the person or the relationship I would hope that people would go toward. You know, in this show, you talked about the ideas of accountability, and we've talked about commitment. And the last piece is acceptance. And if we can begin to accept who we are as we are, and that we are lovable in those ways, then we can be enough. And that's all life requires. And so, you know, just like you guys, you know, made a commitment to having me on your show, and I'm just grateful to have a voice. And I just want to say, you know, thank you very, very much. Um, the same thing is, is I hope that, you know, we'll accept to work together in your efforts on the behalf of people trying to work through relationships and go from being single to in, you know, committed partnerships. I think that's just fantastic. And I, I wish more of us, especially now with the age of social media, would begin to talk to each other, to get to know each other, not through electronic forms, although I know it's important to do that, but actually sitting down and just, you know, getting to know through interaction and if this is where it starts then i think this is a good place well we appreciate that and we agree with you and want to thank you for your time how can people find you out there in the world yeah the only way to really find me unfortunately because because i don't have a great social media presence obviously as a shrink it's kind of hard to do that but you can always email me at dr terry simpson at yahoo.com you're welcome to send me an email i try to get back to every email that i receive within 48 hours to 72 hours I do receive a lot of them, so it's it's a it's a nice thing. But I'll, I'll answer questions via email, or maybe I'll get lucky and and Trevor and Robbie will have oh. me on again. We yes. would love that. All right, All right. we got to we got to wrap it up. But you know Thanks, what? Terry. Happy New Year, everybody! Yeah, man. We and are done. Happy New Year, 2018. For 2018. That's correct. And uh, great time. Right on, everybody. You, Stay with us so, uh, next year. More to come. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Bye, love buddy. you. Bye bye. See you next week on Done Being Single.